wish that I could rewrite history. I used to dream that each mistake could be erased. That I could just pretend I never knew the me back then. I used to pray that you would take this shame away. Hide all the evidence of who
Thank you, Taylor. Wish I could preach the way she sings. Let's go to Second Kings this morning. Second Kings chapter five, please. Second Kings chapter five. Very common. well-known passage about Naaman. Let us read. Let's pray first. We, we beseech you, Lord Jesus, to, to be with us this morning. We thank you that you are willing to do your work in each one of our hearts, to direct us in the direction that you want us to go. So I just pray for that this morning, that your words would be encouraging that the words would come out and that they would touch hearts, that they would truly cause whatever your desire is in each heart to manifest this, this morning. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your love for us. And we just pray that you would uh, achieve your work today in your name. Amen. Now, Naaman, a captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. Now the Armenians had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, I wish that my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria. Then he would cure him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus spoke the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Aram said, Go, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand shekels of gold and ten changes of clothes. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now, as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And it came about when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man is sending word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? But consider now and see how he is seeking a quarrel against me. And it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent word to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Now let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over this place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned 
and went away in a rage. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would not you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And when he returned to the man of God with all his company, he came and stood before him and said, Behold now, I know now that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So please take a present from me, your servant now. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will take nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, If not, please let your servant at least be given two mules load of earth, for your servant will no more offer burnt offerings, nor will he sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. 17 verses. I want to read them to you. We are should be encouraged by this story. It's a wonderful story. It's a wonderful, wonderful testimony. And we're going to touch on a couple of things today. The first thing I want to touch on is Naaman. We read about Naaman. Naaman, first point is Naaman the man. He was a man. He was like a man's man. He was a great man. It says he was a commander. He was a great man. He was highly regarded, and he was a valiant soldier. I was looking up some synonyms on some of those words, and, and it's great because commander is like a boss, a captain, a chief, a commander, a czar, a, a director, even a dictator, leadoff man, even considered like a lord, top dog, top banana, great man, superior, admirable, commanding, endowed with extraordinary powers, uncommonly gifted able to accomplish vast results, strong, powerful, mighty, noble, highly regarded, honorable, highly respected, admired, cared for, cherished, darling, dear, highly regarded, highly valued, idolized, loved, treasured, venerated, well-liked, worshipped. And a valiant soldier, you think about that, it's like he was a valiant soldier. G.I. Joe. Champion, combatant, serviceman, trooper. So Naaman really was the man. He was a man's man. He was a great man. How about this group? Can let's think about that. Great men. Highly respected. Admirable. There's a lot of cool people in here. Look in your groups. There are people who look up to a lot of people in here, especially young people. If you young people will kind of think about how you hang out, you admire certain people in the group. And some of you are the admired. Some of you are the ones that are looked up to. And you feel really good. It's nice to be admired. It's nice to be well-respected. It's nice to be the man. It's nice to be like endowed with extraordinary powers of influence on other people's lives. It's nice to be influ influential. It's nice to be well-respected. It really is nice. It feels good in the flesh, doesn't it? He was pumped up. 
He was a man's man. He was well admired. He was the man. And there are men and women in here that we look at our lives and we look around our lives and we say, you know, it's pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You know, people look up to me. On the job, you might actually be the man and maybe even the woman. Well admired. And maybe you're in school and you're, you know, the schoolmates, they're not even Christians. They look up, it's like, wow, you're cool, man. You're, you're, you know, and you like, I like that. I want to be cool. So we kind of get into that mode of coolness. We're cool. We're right on. Well respected, you know, looked up to, pumped up. I remember I, you know, made master like four years in a row for Toyota, top 50 in the nation, and I was pumped up. I felt pumped up, and I'll be honest with you. And I went on trips with, with uh, the other 50, and they were all pumped up. These men are, and women are there, and they're like, we're the men, we're the women. We got it all down. We made it. We are here. Free trip by Toyota. They took care of us. We were like kings and queens. Man, it was like, wow, this is really special. How many of us have a life like that that, you know, I kind of like my life. You know, it's pretty cool. I'm doing really well. It's all right. Yeah, little hiccups here and there, but, you know, I'm cool. I'm hanging in there. Everything's together. Isn't that like a lot of people? And that's the goal. I want to be the man. I want to be the woman. I want to be the one that's admired, looked up to. That's what Naaman was. He was the man, the commander, looked up to. He walked around pumped up, I bet, like a peacock. Because he, he was. He was admired by the king. He did well. You know, and that's what it was all about for Naaman. Now, we could go to the second point, but didn't we leave something out? I mean... It says he was a valiant warrior, a soldier, but then it's like a but, 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 but he had leprosy. What do you mean? I just heard that he was the man. He was pumped up. He was great. He was all that. Like we used to say that. He's all that. I'm all that. He was all that. But he was a leper. And that's where it kind of came down. Now, we got to get really down to the heart of the matter. But. He was a leper. He was a sinner. They say that some of the lepers back then, they had to live by the garbage dump. They hung out by the garbage dump in Israel. They were actually put out of the city. They hung out somewhere else. And they used to basically beg for food because they were a leper looked down upon. And you know, the illustration of the Bible is real clear. It's the picture of sin. It is the illustration of a sinner. So whenever I say Naaman, the leper, Naaman was a sinner. So now let's talk about all these cool people now. Because there's some cool people in here. And I'm not saying you don't have problems. I'm not saying there's not any difficulty, 
I'm saying you're pretty, you, you know, you got it together. You navigate through the church. You go home and you do your thing. It's like I got it pretty much together. You know, I can kind of do what I want to do. And, you know, it's working pretty good for me. I'm living my life the way I want to live it. And things are kind of working out. And I'm kind of satisfied with how things are going. But you're a leper. If we don't add that in, we kind of miss the boat, don't we? Because we can leave Naaman on a ship, the success ship. The wonderful boat. He's just kind of sailing out into paradise. Everything is hunky-dory for old Naaman. Well-respected. He's got it all together. But if we don't put in, but he was a leper, we lose it. Because that leprosy caused Naaman to be looked down upon. And Naaman knew something's not right. I got all this together. I'm the man, but I'm also a leper. And I can't get rid of this leprosy. There's so many people out in the world today that have so much going for them, that are rocking and rolling and going down and doing their own thing, and they're looking at all the right things in their eyes, and they're forgetting that one point. But I'm a sinner. Which gives you a sentence to hell. Naaman was successful, but he was a sinner. Anybody in here today, you might have it together. You might actually be really good and smooth. You know what? I remember the song, you know, and I don't feel really great about it because I used to listen to, you know, Michael Jackson. And he had a song, I think it was like Smooth Criminal or something like that. He was a smooth criminal. He was cool, but he was a criminal. Remember that? But he was smooth. Well, how do you become a smooth criminal? Well, how do you become a well-respected leper? How do you become a cool sinner? It doesn't go together. If you're cool and you're a sinner, then you're not cool. You're going to be hot one day. <laughs> Honestly, there's going, to be a, there's going to be a furnace. There's going to be some heat, and that coolness will be gone. There are no cool sinners. What a travesty that this world has made it seem like all of this is good, well-respected, great man, highly regarded. I'm doing well. My people around me, they, they like me. My, my, my buddies in school, they, they like me. I'm cool. I look at all these books, and I go to the, all these places, and I read all this stuff, and I go on the computer, and I do everything I want, and there's nobody looking. I kind of got them all fooled in church. Nobody really knows what's going on in my life. I'm cool. Everything's all right. And the Lord says, but you're a sinner. You're destined for hell. But Satan says, and that's the lie. He whispers, it's okay. You're cool, though. Everything's all right. 
cool sinners, well-respected sinners. Satan is doing backflips, celebrating the fact that there are many men and women who really have their life together in the world that are going to hell. And that was his destiny, Naaman, the man. But you know, the point number two is there was a, a great thing that happened. There was a servant girl. Ooh, a servant girl. Little girl. Isn't it great? Because we have kids. Isn't it great we go to, we take our kids somewhere, and our kids are walking with us, and we're cool, you know, this is my baby, and we're walking along, everything's cool, and, and you know, and they see somebody who's a sinner. They recognize them. Because when they go to church, They've been taught to recognize good and evil. They say, Daddy, Mommy, they're a sinner. Let's pray for them. Or sometimes they even nudge the coat. Can you come to church? Do you have Jesus in your heart? Now don't tell us, don't tell me that none of your kids have ever asked that, because I know they have. This little servant girl, it says that the Armenians had gone out in bands to take captive a little girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. They took captive a little girl. That means they went to a land, a, a foreign land. They went to another land and stole her and said, no, we're taking her to be a slave. What did they do with the other siblings? What did they do with the parents? What did they do to this little girl? Did they treat her like she was Naaman? Highly regarded, you think? You think they put her on a pedestal? You think they put their parents on a pedestal? I don't hear anything about mom and dad. They could have killed mom and dad right in front of her. Could have. She was a little servant going. And then it says that she's told her mistress, you know, I wish my master would, the prop, would go to the prophet who was in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. What compassion for a servant girl taken from her, her land. And that's what we are, aren't we? Servants that don't belong here on earth. This is not our home. But can we say we're like her? Do we have compassion for our bosses who beat us maybe, who are really, really evil? Do we have compassion for our neighbor who just makes too much noise? looks at us funny? Do we have compassion for people who kind of pull in front of us on the freeway? Do we have compassion for people in the store that don't give us anything that we want and we're in their face saying, well, I, I, I deserve that. What are you doing? You can't charge me for that. We're in their face over five cents. It says that the little girl said to her mistress, can you, can you, can you tell your, your husband that there's some help for her? She pointed her to somebody who could help her husband. She was concerned about sinners. Are we concerned about the people we work with, the people we hang out with, the people in our lives that don't, especially those that don't treat us properly, that mistreat us? We're just like her. We don't belong here. This is not our home. We've been kind of like her stolen in a sense. We don't belong here anymore. But do we do what she does? 
The Bible says in First Peter says, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. And in John, it says, I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. What have you done for me, Lord? Well, you ask sinners to forgive the Lord, to forgive them, for they know not what they do. I admire this servant girl. That's us. Those in here who are saved. Servant men and women. How's our compassion level? How would we grade it one to ten? Well, it can be a 10 on, on, oh, I like that neighbor over there. They're really cool. They're open. They're nice. It's a 10 with them. What about the one you don't like? Is it still a 10? Or is it a 2? Because they deserve hell. Well, I, I deserve hell, too. I could have been one of those neighbors that you had with the life I lived. And you would have said, no way. I don't want, I wouldn't invite him into my house. Well, but somebody shared with me, and I can say, thank God. The little servant boy said, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus. We need to move on. Point number three. This is an interesting point. Because I was reading in Spurgeon, and he was talking about a point of Proud self and evil questioning. I thought, hmm, that's pretty interesting. Proud self. Well, what happened to Naaman? We go to verse 9. It says, Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. So Naaman was told to go to the man who would help him. And Naaman was at least humble enough to go. But let's go back to the servant girl for just one more point. And I don't understand it. Naaman's wife told Naaman that this little girl had some counsel for him that he should listen to. Naaman went to the king and said, this little girl counseled me that I should go to Samaria. And the king said, I'm going to send a letter with you to the king of Samaria. Because of the counsel of this little girl, this little sweet little girl. Well, why? You thought why? Because we read that before. I know you read it. I know you read this before. You read about Naaman. Have you ever thought why? His wife listened to him. Naaman listened to the counsel. And the king, and they said thus and thus. She said thus and thus. What did she say? She said, there is a man that can save his life, and I guarantee it. And I have to bet, being the logical mind that I have, that she must have had a life that made them listen to her. She had credibility somewhere. Where do you think her credibility was? I believe she's in the service of the mistress as a godly example of Israel, she was really, really godly. I work with a guy. I went to uh, work after church last week, and a guy came to me, and he said to me, he said, oh, you went to church today. 
He said, I did too. And I, I almost did a backflip when he said he went to church because he swears constantly. He smokes constantly. He has the most negative attitude of almost anybody I've ever met. But this is what he said. Really, I went to my service today too. And I'm thinking, wherever you go, I don't want to go near there. Because if this is what's the outcome of what they're feeding you, that's like junk food. He didn't have a testimony. They believed the little girl, guys, because she went to the job and she was faithful. She loved her Lord so much, even though she was, uh, uh, she was in a country as a slave girl, but she was a blessing. Are we blessings? If we're blessings, we'll get the Naamans and the kings around us who were highly regarded to say, well, Ed told me thus and thus, so I'm going to go to San Ramon Valley Bible Church. Mike, he told me thus and thus, and I've watched his life, and I'm going to go because he's a man of God. I can see that. But if we're not living faithful lives, the thus and thus is not going to be, I'm going to go there. The thus and thus says, I will never go there. Why should I go there? I don't want to look like you. I already have what you have. I go to bars. I, I do whatever I want to do. Think about that, Christian, please. Now, as I mentioned, Naaman came with his horses and chairs and stood in the doorway of the house of Elisha. This is verse 9. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9. And Elisha sent a message, message, messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. So he got a message. But Naaman was furious and went away and said, Behold, I thought, I thought, that's, whoa, that's the problem. I thought, well, you already thought a whole bunch of things, Naaman, and you tried a whole bunch of things before thus and thus came to you and gave you a word of encouragement and directed you to a man of God. But he says, I thought he will surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over this place and cure the leper. It was like he knew about these, you know, you know the names. I don't know the names. These uh, Benny Hill guys, wham! And he's like, done. That's what he wanted. He says, he's going to come out and just touch me or wave, and I'll be cured of my leprosy. He says, I want it done my way. I want to go to the kingdom my way. I want my sins released and bought and cleansed my way. And Spurgeon calls it proud self. He was proud. How much of us are proud right now? Anybody in here just proud? It's like, I don't, church? Give me a break. Bible? The Lord? Give him my life? Right. I'm doing good. I want it done my way. I want to come to the Lord my way. I want to come to the gates of the kingdom the last day. I want to sin and do everything I want to do. And the last day, say, okay, 
I'm ready, Lord. But then again, it's kind of interesting. The servants again came and said, if it was going to be difficult, wouldn't you have done it? What's, the, what's your problem? And what did Naaman do? He went out and did it. But, listen to this. Spurgeon writes, It is your love of sin that sets your reason on the wide awake watch to try to discover some difficulty and to make that pretense why you should not be obedient to the heavenly command. Do not believe yourself when you repeat the tale told you by Satan that you are only making honest inquiry. Do not believe it for a minute. The honest inquiry is content with it is written. And there it stops. He goes on to say, do not believe that your questioning springs from honesty, but be honest with yourself and acknowledge this, that you do not love the gospel because it is too hard for you. You know, let's get down to it, really. Why do so many people not want to come to the Lord? Listen. It wants you to give up sins that you love too much. To renounce them, and because of this, you begin to question its truth. But because it will have, you will have to give up your sins, you go in the quest of a doubt and put in a plea after plea and gain time and to hold on to all this world has to offer. You do not love the gospel because you do not want to give up your sins. You love your sins too much. Young people, do you love your sins too much? How you guys doing? How you doing? Honestly. Do you love them too much? Too much to give them up? That's the truth. Isn't it? Isn't that why we don't come to the Lord? Any of us. Because I don't really want to. It's not that anybody hasn't given me the right preach. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with the word of God. Because the word of God says it clearly. But I'm not willing. Why? Because I'm not willing to give up my sins. I don't want to stop sinning. It's too much fun for me. Isn't that sad? Naaman almost went down that road. Almost. Almost. But he didn't. Now we need to end. And the last point is wash and be clean. And we know about the servants, how they came and told him, wash and be clean. And Elisha, that fave, wonderful prophet, he told him to go wash in, this, in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. You know, I was reading a story about cleansing. Kind of an in interesting thing. It says illegal bathing. Did you know that in 1842, the first bathtub was denounced as luxurious and democratic vanity? 
Boston made it unlawful to bathe, except on doctor's prescription. In 1843, Philadelphia made bathing illegal between November 1st and March 15th. There was a lot of interesting people walking around. And then it says, how tragic many people have adopted a similar schedule of spiritual cleansing. We would rather put up with the stench of our unconfessed sins than to come clean before God. Let's take a break. I don't need to be clean. I don't need a bath. We all need a bath. Satan says you don't need a bath. Satan says you don't need to be clean. God says you need to be clean. Wash and be clean. See, scientists have discovered that every snowflake has a tiny piece of dust at its core. Yes, every snowflake has a dirty heart. In the spiritual realm, when the blood of Christ is applied to the heart of an unbeliever, it cleanses him from all sin. Not a speck of defilement re remains, for God removes every stain and washes him even whiter than snow. Naaman, the leper, had it all together. He was the man. He was real successful. A little girl came along with a heart of gold who loved her God and she shared. There's a man. There's help. She pointed him in the direction of the man of God. And we keep pointing people in the direction of Jesus the man, the Savior, the one who can wash our sins away. Now, if you love your sins so much that you're not willing to give them up, what will you say? You'll say, no way. No way. Naaman's pain got to be a certain point where Naaman said, way, I need a way. It was too painful for him. God can make it really painful for you. And I pray that he doesn't have to before you come to him. It says, during the Civil War, there was a farmer who was drafted as a soldier, and he was deeply concerned about leaving his family. He didn't want to leave his family. And he had a neighbor who was named Charlie. And Charlie said to him, you know, I've been thinking about you. I want to go in your place. He says the farmer was so overwhelmed that he was speechless, that Charlie, his neighbor, would go for him. And he, he said, Charlie went. Charlie went to the front lines. You know what Charlie did? But Charlie was shot and killed. And they said that when... The farmer found out he saddled his horse and he went searching for Charlie and he searched for him for a long time. But he found his friend and he arranged to have him buried in a churchyard 
and he carved an inscription with his own hands. They said it was roughly done. It wasn't even good. It wasn't like these guys, you know, great artists. And it says that with every blow of the hammer and on the chisel, tears fell from his eyes. My Charlie. It should have been me, my Charlie. He placed the marker on the grave of his devoted substitute. And it says many villagers wept as they read the brief but touching inscription that said he died for me. He died for you. He died for lepers. He died for sinners. He died for the lost. He died for even the highly regarded, the cool ones. He died for the successful and the unsuccessful, the weak and the strong, the lovable and the unlovable, the lost and the found. He died for me, and he died for you. Just like the little girl, I'm the little boy. And all I'm saying is I'm pointing you to the master. It's him. It's Jesus. He's the one. Go see him. Get on your knees before him and say, what would you have me to do? And what would he say? He would say, come and confess you're a sinner and allow me to cleanse you of your leprosy. He says, wash and be clean. This morning, wash and be clean. And even though you're cool, even though you have it together, there'll be a time when all that coolness and all that togetherness won't stack up to anything. And you'll be sitting there thinking, oh, my God, it's true. And then what will be the inscription on you? Too late? Satan is brilliant. He feeds minds lies continually. But God is faithful. I pray for those that are here today that you would say, I'm not going to listen to those voices from the author of insanity anymore. I'm going to listen to the words of God. And like Naaman, I want to be clean. Let's all together pray in our hearts that somebody here today is willing to make a decision to be clean. Not be a leper anymore. You don't have to be a leper. It doesn't have to be this way. But you have to stop loving your sins. You have to say, I don't want my sins anymore. I want my Savior. I want to be rescued from this life. Now we're going to close and we're going to close our eyes.
And I'm only going to give you one opportunity. I'm just going to say it once. Because people have lives and you want to go and do your thing. And I just pray the Lord, if he touched you, then make a decision. And I pray that we would all pray that, that somebody would be touched today. So with all eyes closed, will you be clean today? Do you want to be clean? And if you want to be clean, just put your hand up. And I'll pray for you. Amen. I see you. Do you want to be clean today? Today. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you because you're a faithful God. You're a God that has mercy on the lost. You're a God that loves those who are unlovable. You're a God that's willing to come into a life and to change it, to heal it. Thank you for washing those that have been washed today and those that are clean today. We thank you that you made us clean. And we pray for this person who put her hand up, that you would come into her heart, that she would invite you as Lord and Savior, that you would change your life and her heart, and that she would never be the same. And we pray that Jesus would be glorified in all that's done today. And we love you and praise you in your name. Amen.